Well, I woke up really annoyed this morning. <laughs> How's that freaking way to start a service? I really wanted to set this particular tone this morning. It's, it's the first Sunday after Labor Day. We're finally in September. Tara and Sherry did all these like beautiful fall decorations everywhere. It's our fall kickoff. I'm trying to shift us into fall. I'm still wearing white. Why am I wearing white? Because it's like a thousand degrees outside. It's, it's so hot outside. And had I known that we were still going to be doing summer, I would have just kept doing our summer series. Our summer series is called Summer Baggage. And in that series, we were talking about things that we, we, uh, we wanted to make sure that we did not bring into this next new season. I would like to add the heat to that list of things that I thought we were not going to bring into this season. I think it's supposed to be this hot next Sunday, too. I can't. <laughs> anyway, this morning is a counterpart to our summer baggage series. I thought we'd spend a few weeks talking about some things that maybe we do want to pack for this new season, things that we do want to bring with us. Now, I realize that the way that we watch television has changed a ton in the past 10 years or so, but this is still the time of the year when at least some of the major primetime shows start back up. Right? It's still the time of year where the big networks have, uh, they start promoting their fall lineup. I saw a picture on Facebook this last week of two of the characters from the show This Is Us. Does anybody watch that show? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's one of my all time favorites. And the picture said, Our last first day of work. Because <sighs> it's the last season of that show. I start to get anxious when I hear about that because you want the show to end exactly the particular way that you need it to end, which I don't know what that is, but they better figure it out. It's very stressful. Anyway, I digress. I don't, know, I don't know what your particular fall lineup is for TV, but I thought we would spend some time talking about how, how we might intentionally choose our own personal fall lineup this year, things that we want to make sure that we're working on, things that we would like to be really intentional about focusing on this particular fall, the things that maybe some or all of us need to work on as we continue to take one next step closer to Jesus. Now, I realize this has also been a really strange and difficult season for everybody on a larger scale, and so I really spend some time thinking about some of the things that, that, is, that are severely lacking in our world today, and they happen to coincide with things that I think God cares very much about. And so I'm, I'm excited to get to dig a little deeper into our fall lineup. Now, many of you know that I came to faith when I was in high school. I did not grow up in a Christian home, but I was invited to a youth group at a covenant church when I was in sixth grade. And I started going periodically with one of my neighbor friends. And while I really liked it there, not all of my friends were interested in trying youth group with me. And so I liked these new friends that I made at church, but I was not ready to give up my other group of friends yet. Now, maybe that doesn't seem like a very big deal, except these two different groups of friends were headed in two very, very, very different directions. And so the longer I walked this line with both groups of friends, the more that I learned to compartmentalize my life. And I became very good at it. Now, there were very clear expectations on me as far as academics were concerned. And so while I was in school, I was a, a good student who got good grades and I knew how to talk to the teachers in just the right way. But then once the bell rang, especially in middle school, I was a jerk that got kicked off my bus more than once. And my primary group of friends that I hung out with got into trouble early, like started smoking and drinking at like 12, 13 years old in sixth grade. And so I, I used to steal cigarettes from my dad, and then we would go over to our other friend's house, 
who, uh, whose parents were never home, and we would take the liquor out of their cabinets and drink it and then refill it with water. You guys know the drill. But then once a week, I would ditch those friends, and I would go to church with my youth group friends. And, and almost all of the kids at church had grown up in the church, and they were all so nice and so sweet, and none of them ever seemed to get into any trouble at all. But I started to feel more and more like I had found a family there in the church. I liked being there. So when I was there, I tried my best to play along. I could be a nice kid. I could try not to get into trouble, at least while I was at church. And so then I started to learn about this person, Jesus, and the way that he lived his life and how we were supposed to live our lives to be more like him. And then I would ignore everything I heard and I would go back and hang out with my other group of friends. And then I would go back to church once a week and I would learn about honesty and then I would go home and I would lie to my parents about where I was. And then I would go back to church and I would learn about gentleness and then I would go home and kick my brother in the face. (laughs) And I just thought that's the way that life was. Every area of my life had a different compartment. My teachers thought that I was one kind of person, even though my friends knew me to be another. My social life was very different from my church life, which was very different from my family life, because my family life and my church life also weren't connected. And so I learned to be very good at keeping all of my compartments separate. And that went on for years, all of my junior high years, in fact. And then at the end of eighth grade, some of my friends and I shoplifted at the local mall. And I convinced myself that it was not a big deal. It was just some lip gloss or a CD. It was no big deal. We got away with it a couple times. But then one day my friends asked me to go to the mall and I knew what that meant and I was totally in except my mom wouldn't let me go because I was grounded for something else because that was a real treat. I was a real treat of a teenager. <laughs> so my friends went to the mall without me and that was the time that they got caught. They got arrested for shoplifting. And suddenly, I mean, yeah, anyway, suddenly all of my different compartments didn't seem like they were serving me so well anymore. And I know that as adults, when we tell stories about our childhood or or our adolescence, that it's really easy for us to just say things like, well, that was then and this is now, or we were just kids and kids are kids. We all grew out of that kind of stuff. But did we? Because isn't it just as easy to compartmentalize our lives now as adults as it was when we were teenagers? Or maybe, maybe it's even easier to do it now because we have more control over our schedules and our lives and we are more skilled at hiding this part of our life from that one. So let me ask you this morning, are you the same in every facet of your life? Now, I realize that we have people in our lives with whom we are more comfortable than others. I get that. And I realize that some of us have jobs that require a certain level of professionalism and, and modicum that may not be expected in other areas of your life. But you know that that's not really what I'm asking you about, right? When you look at your life, does it look, does it look like a pie that's all sliced up? There's a social piece and a professional piece and a family piece and a private piece and a spiritual piece. Where are you living one whole integrated life? In other words, are you consistently the same no matter what facet of your life you're dealing with? Is there any, any slice of your life that you are hiding from another slice of your life? 
Do you have a private life that your spouse doesn't know about? Do you have a professional life that your social life would be surprised by? Do you have a spiritual life that your professional life would be shocked by? I want to take a look at a passage of scripture this morning that might help us to navigate our topic for the day. If you have your Bibles or an app on your phone, you're welcome to to turn to those. We'll have it up on the screen here, and you're also just welcome to listen if you'd like to do that. We're going to be looking at Psalm 15. Psalm 15, just the first five verses. Psalm 15, verses one through five. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, the one who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. And if you'll allow me real quick, I'm going to read it just from another translation as well. This is from a translation called The Passion. And it says, Yahweh, who who dares dwell with you? Who presumes the privilege of being close to you, living next to you in your shining place of glory? And then in this text, it's titled The Answer Provided. The Answer Provided. They who are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere and always speaking the truth, for their hearts are trustworthy. They refuse to slander or insult others. They'll never listen to gossip or rumors. They would never harm a friend with their words. They will despise evil and evil workers while commending the faithful who follow after truth. They will make firm commitments and follow through, even at great cost. They never crush others with exploitation. And they would never be bought with a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things will never be shaken. They will stand firm forever. So David, he's the one who wrote this psalm. He asked this question, who gets to be close to you, God? And then then the answer is laid out here. Who gets to be close to God? Who is it that will never be shaken? Whoever lives with integrity. That's the person who won't be shaken. Now, I realize that the text doesn't use the word integrity, but that is what the whole of this text is getting at. The word integrity comes from the word integer. Now, those of you who can actually do math beyond like counting on your fingers and toes like me, what is an integer? Does anybody know? Aaron, thank you. I knew somebody would. Yeah, thank you. I should have just pointed you out to begin with. An integer is a whole number. That's what integer means. It means whole. And that's where we get the word integrity. Whole. We all want to consider ourselves people of integrity, don't we? Don't we all want to consider ourselves a person of integrity? But are we? Are we? Integrity is someone who lives a whole, complete, integrated life. Is that you? Are you someone who lives with integrity? Are you someone who does what he or she says he's going to do? Are you someone who could run into a work colleague while you're with their friends and they would recognize you as the same person? Or someone who could have a friend show up unexpectedly at church and wouldn't fall over dead from shock seeing you here? Are you someone who is dependable? 
someone who speaks truth, someone who refuses to slander another person, someone who won't listen to gossip, someone who would never harm a friend with your words? Are you someone who despises evil, who could never be bought with a bribe? Are you the same in your public life as you are in private? Now, I know that I sound like Captain Obvious for saying this out loud, but integrity is something that we're kind of missing in this world, (laughs) right? I don't expect that too many people in this room are on the app TikTok. Are any of you on TikTok? You can confess, it's okay. Yeah, okay. Well, there are all these videos. I'm sure there's, <laughs> there's lots of kinds of videos, but there are all kinds of videos on TikTok. There's this one series that I kept coming across that involved a guy who um, was pretending to drop a whole bunch of really expensive technology all over. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. So he'd carry like a pile in, in boxes of like MacBook Pros and iPads and, and iPhone 12s all like stacked up high. And he's, you know, he's walking and he pretends to trip and he spills his stuff all over the street just to see what people will do. And then the guy is taking a hidden video of himself while this happens. And every, almost every time, somebody will pick up one of the devices and tuck it in their pocket or put it in their bag, even while they pretend or even while they help the guy stack the rest of the things that he dropped. And then if they don't do that, if, if they don't steal, he, will, he would give them one of the things that, that they dropped as some kind of reward. Right? We've heard these crazy stories in life about somebody who, like, purchases an old used couch at Goodwill and then finds $20,000 in the cushion and is on this quest to, to find the owner of the 20000 or somebody who loses their wallet only to have a kid return it to them fully intact. We love watching these videos and listening to these stories. Why? Because they surprise us. Because we live in a world that seriously lacks integrity. Because we live in a world where it's as if we have come to expect that the person who found 20 grand in their couch is just gonna keep it. We live in a world that expects that people will no longer do the right thing. We expect that when the boss is away, the employees will slack. We expect that when no one is looking, we will cut corners. But who is it that's privileged to be close to God? He or she who walks with integrity. He or she who lives a whole life. He or she who is the same everywhere they go in every situation with every kind of person. Now, to be clear, integrity does not equal perfection because we can walk with integrity throughout this world, but only one human, Jesus, was ever perfect. Perfection is not what is expected when we're talking about integrity. We are all going to screw up. We are all going to screw up. We are all going to make mistakes. And just because you screw up, no matter how big it is, does not mean that you lack integrity. But how you handle it, that might... Because owning our mistakes is a huge indicator of whether we're walking with integrity or not, right? Now, I had not been at this church for very long, maybe a year or a year and a half, I don't know. I was on my way to work one morning, and I was in a hurry, and my car was just about out of gas. And so I stopped at the gas station on the corner there, and I filled my tank up to the brim. And when I went to put my credit card back in my wallet, I found out that I had put it on, my pers- on the church credit card instead of my personal credit card, because they were both green at the time. Um, <laughs> Now, here's the thing about that. I was the associate pastor at the time, and I worked with students, and I shuttled them all over God's green earth. It probably would have been pretty easy for me to justify that tank of gas on the church's credit card, except that I also get reimbursed for mileage. So that kind of would have been double dipping. But it's only 40 bucks, right? 
Is the church really going to miss 40 bucks? Can't I justify it anyway? I could justify it. But neither of those things are the point, are they? The point is that integrity or lack thereof begins with these little itty-bitty things. Because in that moment, I suddenly remembered a colleague of mine. He had been in ministry for decades. He was a faithful, beloved pastor in ministry, but he was let go from his church when the church discovered that he had essentially, over the years, stolen upwards. It was was six-figure digits from the church. And how did he begin down that path? I kid you not, it was an accidental tank of gas on the church's credit card. And so I told Anne, our treasurer, about the mistake that I made, and we fixed it, and I would love to tell you that it was the only time I ever did it. <laughs> Thankfully, our credit cards aren't the same color anymore, and we've, I think we've worked through that for the most part, but God bless Anne. You should all pray for her. <laughs> so. Honestly. I heard a a pastor tell a story about a builder who worked with the same building company for 40 years. He was everybody's favorite builder. He was the most requested, asked for builder in the entire company. He was known as a man of great integrity and he used only the highest quality materials and he used only the most skilled subcontractors. He was patient, he took his time, he listened to the clients and he built the most beautiful quality homes of anybody in that entire company. Well, as my own dad, who did the same thing, could tell you, a lifetime of building houses is awfully hard on the body. And so after 40 years in this, in, with this business, the guy told the company that he was going to retire at the end of his 40th year. All throughout the year, he would send these kind of monthly notes reminding people he has 11 months left, he has 10 months left, he has nine months left. And part of that was because he was trying to help farm out the work to make that transition a little bit easier on his colleagues. Well, when it came time for him to retire, he was so excited. And his boss came up to him and said, I, I, I know you're ready to retire, but here's the thing. I, there's, this house came up, and I just, I just need you to build one more house. Just one more house. And the guy was so stunned. He's like, I, I, he couldn't even believe that his boss was asking him this. He said, I've, I've worked here for 40 years You know how much I just want to go be with my family, my grandkids. You know how ready I am to retire. I can't even believe you would ask me to build another house. And the boss said, I I know, I know, but that's how you know it's it's so important to me, just this one last house. And after some pleading and begging, we really need you, you're the best, you're the only one who can do this job, the guy said, yes, all right, I'll do it. But he clearly didn't want to do it. He was exhausted, and in his heart, he had already retired, And so he made it his goal just to get the house done as quickly as he could. And so he hired whoever could show up the fastest, even though they weren't the best subs. And he ordered sub-quality materials because he knew he could get them in faster. And he cut corners all over the place, typically in the ways that only the contractors would know that normal people wouldn't typically notice. And he built the worst house of his entire career. But he got it done, and he got it done quickly. Here comes retirement. And so on his last day at the company, the company threw him this huge retirement party and praised him and thanked him for 40 years of integrity and 40 years of hard work. And then they handed him his retirement present. And it was the keys to the house he had just built. The pastor who told that story said, you build the house you live in. And we do. 
we build the house we live in. When we cut corners at work, we build the house we live in. When we claim to live this Holy Spirit-led life, but we have this secret gambling or alcohol or pornography addiction that we've never told anybody out, we build the house that we live in. When we make our kids come to church and we act like the most perfect family in the whole wide world and then we go home and we hit our spouse or we verbally abuse our kids, we build the house that we live in. But also even maybe less dramatic things. Look at Psalm 15, when our, when our hearts aren't trustworthy, when we share somebody else's secret that we had no right to share, when we gossip about other people, when we harm other people with our words, when we say that we're going to do something and then we don't follow through with it, when we cheat, when we tell little white lies, when we exaggerate just a little bit in a story to make ourselves look better, or when we throw our coworker under the bus for the same reason, when we borrow our neighbor's Wi-Fi, All of these things, they seem little, they seem innocuous, but they end up building the house that we live in. These are not the ways to be close to the heart of God. Proverbs 10.9 says, whoever walks with integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. And it's true, right? Every day it feels like we turn on the news and there's another celebrity Another politician, another church leader, another sports hero who has been found out. And I know that for many of us who are struggling with integrity, being found out is exactly our greatest fear, and it's why we keep living these compartmentalized lives. But we don't have to live that way. We weren't meant to live that way. That is a terrifying, anxiety-producing, dark and lonely way to live this life. Whether you're hiding some kind of major secret or you're just somebody who exaggerates stories to make themselves look better, there is a way out of this darkness and into a life of integrity. There's a super famous psalm. It's probably a favorite of many people in the room here. It's Psalm 139. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's been turned into like a thousand songs because it's, it's so powerful. But within that, there is both a terrifying and a transformational prayer. In fact, we we included this in a series that we once did called Dangerous Prayers. It's at the very end of Psalm 139, and it's, it's one of those that we had probably better not pray unless we really mean it. But if we pray it because we mean it, it's also our ticket to freedom. It's from Psalm 139, 23 and 24, and it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so I want to encourage us, all of us this morning, to consider praying that prayer. Ask God to search your heart and to show you any places in your life that have been compartmentalized. Is there a part of your life that's hidden from your spouse? Is there a part of your life that you have been ashamed to share with another part of your life? Is there something that you don't want other people knowing about you? Is there something that you have kept secret? Something that you have kept separate? Something that has caused you to live feeling like you are lacking integrity or lacking wholeness, the wholeness that Jesus desires for you? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Well, friends, this is why we gather every Sunday together to be reminded that today is a brand new day. That's that's who we have in Jesus, that today is a brand new day. 
And even if you have lived literally every single solitary one of your days up until this point, lacking integrity, you can change that today. Allow God to search your heart and ask God to bring you the courage that you need to bring to light what has been in the dark. If you are holding on to a secret that is destroying you or destroying your marriage or destroying your job, today is the day to come clean. Because I assure you that the truth is going to come out. And no matter how difficult it will be to share, it will pale in comparison to the pain and the shame of being found out on somebody else's terms. Integrity can start today. Integrity can start today. For some of us, today is that day that we begin to own the pieces or or piece of our lives that are not integrated into the whole of who Jesus made us to be. We will start acting in a way at work that lets other people know that we are followers of Jesus. We've never done that before. That's the thing we're going to do today. We will start loving our family the way that we claim to when we're at church. We've always said we've done that, but we've never really done that. We're going to start doing that today. Whatever that is for you, integrating your life can begin today. For some, as I said, it's even more subtle. Asking God to show you those little moments when you just exaggerate to make yourself look better, those those things that you do or say when you say you're going to do something but then you don't really follow through with it, those moments that you cut corners at work because nobody's looking. Ask God to reveal those little decisions to you, those little decisions that make up the house in which you live. Because integrity is not just a nice quality that we either possess or don't. Integrity is something for which we were created. God made us and Jesus freed us to live one whole integrated life with Jesus at the center. Let's pray together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. It's a scary prayer. It's a scary prayer, God, because we know that our hearts are not always uh, the greatest of places. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. God, I know there's all kinds of offensive ways in me. I know there are things that I do and things that I say that don't honor you, Lord. And I know that I'm not alone in that. And so I pray this morning, Lord, that you would grant each one of us courage today. That you would help us to know the truth of your good news that today is a brand new day. These aren't just words I'm throwing around up here. This is your promise, Lord, that today is a brand new day. And so God, if we have been living in the darkness, if we have been living compartmentalized lives, if we're keeping a secret that's eating us up inside, Lord, would you give us the courage to bring to light that which has been in the dark? Would you help us, God, to integrate all of the pieces of our lives, to help us feel like we don't have to live this way in this corner and that way in that corner? It's exhausting. It's tiring and it's not the way that you meant us to live. And so God, search our hearts, give us courage, heal us, and help us to live the integrated, whole lives that you created us to live. That as we walk as people of integrity, we would walk closer with you, Lord. We thank you for the promise that you are with us, and we thank you for the promise that you will heal us. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.